0: So I love starting with action because I feel it immediately draws the reader into the story. I think it it doesn't matter what age it is. I mean, kids especially will love love action. And this isn't an action and adventure novel. So, yeah, I really wanted to start off with a bang. Um, And I just the whole scene just kind of came to me that those first those first few pages, those first few chapters. Actually, the whole book was kind of a gift. You know, sometimes that happens in a writer's career.
1: Hello there, my fellow sophisticated creatives. Welcome to JCV Art Studio from the dressing room. Ozzy is not in the studio with me today. I can hear him barking outside. It's because now that I use this different format, I'm noticing that as soon as my guest says hello, it's almost like he thinks somebody's at the door. And so then he's saying hello back. So (laughs) Let's see how we do. He's a stubborn little dog. Okay. But anyways, today I'm excited to have author and literary consultant Alicia Savigny on the podcast. Alicia was born and raised in Kitimat, BC. Alicia has always had a strong connection to the environment and she has a conservationist spirit. She is joining me from the Grand Caymans. Now, Alicia is an author of young adult, middle grade and children's books. She is a literary consultant for those seeking assistance in writing and publishing their novel. She holds a degree in professional writing and sociology from the University of Victoria. She is a film school graduate, former literary agent and yoga teacher. She is passionate, as you will find out about ancient civilizations and her new middle grade series, Secrets of the Sands, launched in 2020, with the first book being The Lost Scroll of the Physician, which is going to be followed up by the the Desert Prince. This is a thrilling, thrilling, series for any lover of ancient Egypt, mystery, and adventure. Hello, Alicia. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Joanne. It's so great I, to be here. I am so glad you could make it. I saw a fellow author, J.E. Jane Bernard. It was a few months back. She had posted on her Instagram a photo of the cover of the law scroll of the physician I saw the cover and I thought, whoa, okay. <laughs> and having been a child who used to hate reading, I thought that would have that would have been one of the books for me that would have, have turned me. Okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <That's the plan. laughs> yeah. And that book, oh my gosh. So we're going to get into this. The, the Lost Scroll of the Physician was a CCBC Best Books for the kids for 2020 and I was just wondering what 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 does that all mean for those of us who don't write that age yeah um it's just basically the Canadian Children's Book Center
0: they come out with a list of uh, what they think are the best books of 2020 and I was fortunate enough to have scroll included on that
1: list this year perfect it it deserves it um I, I, I was glued Thank you. Yeah. So I'm curious, what made you decide to write young adult, middle grade novels?
0: Um, I feel like I I just kind of have that younger voice. Maybe I'm a little immature. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like I have a kind of a young voice. And I also, um, as a child, I loved reading so much. I was an avid reader and so passionate. And for me, books were really magical. And I kind of wanted to write a similar kind of story for, you know, kids out there who are even like people who are reluctant readers. Um, because even though this is a middle grade by a novel, adults enjoy it as well. Um, and, um, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to write something that I would have personally loved to read
1: as a child. Yeah. Because for me, like I say, I hated reading, but it was the Bobsy twins. I love the Bobsy twins. Yeah, (laughs) It was a game changer in your novel. Um, I'm not a middle-grade reader, but I loved it. Yeah, okay. We'll talk first a bit about the mechanics of writing. Then we can dive into the history and the research you've done, starting with The Lost Scroll of the Physician. Can you tell our listeners what the inspiration was behind your book? Because, so our listeners know, Alicia is writing a novel that takes place. 3,500 years ago in Egypt's history.
0: (laughs) Yes. So this um, novel was, um, the inspiration was actually, we're going to probably, I think, touch upon it a little bit later, was the Edwin Smith Medical Papyrus, which was a a scroll, an ancient scroll that we actually exist today. It's a real life artifact. um, And one of our most important medical artifacts that we have. Um, And I started learning about this scroll, which I'll talk a bit, more about later um and was just fascinated and then uh, then the scroll was kind of dated to this approximate time the second intermediate period and the more i started reading about the second intermediate period the more and more fascinated i got because um it, the second intermediate period was a, a quite a mysterious time in egypt's past um and we don't we didn't know up until recently we didn't know a lot about it and and, you know, even now today, there's still not so much known, um, because of a reason that will, you know, come up in the second and third books. Um, but it's, it was just so interesting to read about this, this explore this kind of mysterious pocket of time that, you know, people didn't know a lot about. So I really kind of loved doing that, which made research really difficult, but it was it was great. <laughs>
1: I never knew about the second intermediate period. Okay, Yeah, you know,
0: most people are just familiar with like the the old kingdom, the middle kingdom and the new kingdom, which are three main ones. And then you have the intermediate periods are just basically what that means is there are time when Egypt fell into disarray, if you will, when they were kind of invaded by foreigners or taken over by people who were. So I fell in love with the story of the Hyksos people who kind of come into Egypt, um, into the realm of Egypt at this time and they gain control of the land and we talk that that gets a bit more explored in the second and the third novel but um i just thought it's so fascinating um yeah. and i loved
1: researching it awesome okay is there a particular passage you'd like to read from the novel
0: um i can read the first page
1: sure yeah. the
0: cobra hisses in strike position forked tongue flickering hood flared wide Its icy, flat stare remains unbroken, except for the vertical blink of its eyes. My fingers move up and down the long-wooded reed, covering some holes and releasing others as the notes float up and up. Gaze locked with mine, the snake slowly undulates from side to side, and my body relaxes a fraction as our spirits entwine. A crowd has formed. This is what I want. Vendors walk toward the spectacle, attention drawn. People point and laugh, momentarily distracted from the oppressive heat of midday as they move in closer for the show. My eyes don't leave the snakes, but I know Kai is weaving through the carts, lifting a plum here, palming a fig there, taking whatever is most easily an offer. Hopefully he'll find some bread, maybe some nuts and fruits, though there hasn't been much variety of late. My eyes, my ears strain for shouts, an exclamation of thief over a rumbling stomach but the crowd is as mesmerized as the serpent. Stig charming is not common knowledge here. My father taught me the art, just as he taught me to read and write, also not so common, especially for a girl. But he believed that learning and knowledge bestow power on their possessor. Unfortunately, all his knowledge and power were not enough to keep him and my mother from being killed. Pain blooms raw and fresh, as if the cobra has struck my heart. Has it been only one moon since they were stolen from us? Focus. I need to focus or the snake's car will break with mine. Then I will not be so safe. Though so
1: safety is mostly an illusion. I think. Yeah. 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 And I was hooked from that first, first page and talk about a hook. Um, Sesha snake charmer um, as well as learning to be a doctor. Okay. And From that page, you build the tension and you build the tension and you build the tension. And then, you know, it's that one line where Sesha's foot shoots out, right? And Mm -hmm. we're in the action. Okay. So with the age group you write for, do you believe you need to start with action like right away So I love starting with action because I feel it immediately draws the reader
0: into the story. I think it it doesn't matter what age it is. I mean, kids especially will love love action. And this isn't an action and adventure novel. So, yeah, I really wanted to start off with a bang. Um, And I just the whole scene just kind of came to me that those first those first few pages, those first few chapters. Actually, the whole book was kind of a gift. You know, sometimes that happens in a writer's career two and three not so much but this first book was a gift and it kind of just you know I saw it all happening there in the marketplace
1: wow and throughout this book I kept thinking this could be a movie I hope so (laughs) you know and I thought okay this isn't to say anything negative against Disney first I thought Disney and I thought no no, because the only thing I could think of was um, the genie one. I, I can't remember the Aladdin. Name. Yeah, there yeah. are. There's
0: a little bit of an Aladdin vibe in the first few pages for sure.
1: But but this is this is um, a whole different level. Like a high. I I want to say a higher level. There's so much more to this this book. Okay? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So I found this book as a a great tool for authors. Um, Literally, you you grab the reader from page one. Session needs to find the lost scrolls because they provide um, medical solutions to save her brother's life, okay? You crank up the tension with the scrolls because those in power in Egypt, they want it because there's threat of war. And, the, and we learn, like this is what we all learned, that the scrolls could provide instructions, to uh, heal war wounds. You throw more conflict at Sesha because she's a girl during these times and she wants an to further her education. So as I'm reading, I'm thinking, was there any one conflict that came to you first? Um, Did you start writing Sesha's goal, find the scrolls? And then you think, okay, Sesha, I'm now going to throw this at you. And now I'm going to throw this at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, now we got the threat of war. Boom, <laughs> deal with it, girl. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did start with the you know the at the core of the story is Sasha wanting to find the scroll to save her brother's life. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are other people who also want the scroll. So um, that was my main that was my main core of the story. Um, you know, ancient Egypt was pretty advanced for the times, and the fact that um, you know, but the fact that she was a scribe and physician. Wouldn't have been unheard of, maybe not so common, but they were definitely a little bit more progressive than, like, even up until recent times in our own past, like you know, 1900s and 1800s. And um, they, you know, women could own and inherit property and and all that. So um, I I did want to make the whole girl thing a bit of an, an angle. Um, but, um, yeah, I definitely started with the scroll wanting to find a favorite brother and then just boom, 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 kept, kept piling things on her. Like you said, raising the stakes, raising the tension, um, trying to make things as difficult for her as possible we're not supposed to be nice to our characters as writers. (laughs) No, but
1: it, but it, it works so well, you know, and, uh, the, the tension and the stress, it's not only, it not only affects Sesha, but those around her. Um, you know, the the Pharaoh, he's going to marry off his daughter, Marat, you know, to smooth things over with the warring tribes. Like, yeah, that's a good solution. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: marry my it's daughter solution back in those
1: days. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, she didn't start the war. Like, you know, she yeah. right? so to me, this was another lesson, another writing lesson, because it's, it's not only the character because it really, if you think about it in life, it's not only this single character who has stress. Like, you look around in real life, each one of us has some form of stress, of stuff that's going on, okay? Yeah, we all yeah. have our stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and in this instance, it's, it's simple. Poor Marat is being married to a man she doesn't love, okay? And I thought by having other characters experiencing conflict not only does it ramp up the suspense and the intrigue but to me it made the story more real did is is yeah i think that's what you're saying is so so true so so
0: on target i feel like when you have um you know your secondary characters and you give them you know problems and goals and inner lives of their own then it just helps to make the story richer and flushes everything out a bit more um you know friendship is a very central thing theme to this book and Sasha has her friends Pacer and Reb um as well as Mira Princess Mirat, um to kind of help her so um it, it it is really it was really important that I kind of develop these characters as much as I could without you know still having to focus on on Sasha's story and not getting too too sidelined it's, it's always a balancing act and you never know how much or how little so it's kind of you just have to go with your gut I guess and
1: yeah, yeah hopefully it works out <laughs> But then you also, you know, it's not just, I don't want to say conflict for the sake of conflict, but you wrap it up like a nice package. I'm just thinking about the ending, you know, mm-hmm. it, it it all comes full circle, right? Um, now, as much as this is a young adult novel, you weave in politics. And uh, I thought that, w- that was really amazing and I, I had said it to my husband last night I was telling him about your book and I said it's young adult but Alicia weaves in politics and I go and she has this line if I if you don't mind me reading it yes please yeah. okay and the, the line that struck me was famine is not good for political stability particularly when combined with whispers of war and I just thought, okay, can the politician, politicians in the world take note? <laughs> you know? So I, w- I was wondering, why did you want to include a political environment in this novel?
0: I started writing this book in two. I, f- I think it was around 2016. So there was, it was around the time of the first election where, where Trump was elected into the U.S. So politics are very much on my mind as, you know, as Canadians are fascinated with American politics. Um so I think it was kind of almost subliminal where it just kind of, you know, and, and a lot of our conflicts that we have today politically and, you know, between nations are, you know, are from the beginning of time and they just repeat themselves over and over. So historical fiction is a great way to kind of, I don't know, open your eyes to, to see that this isn't new. What's happening here has happened before. And can we please like learn already? <laughs>
1: So we have a bit of politics, and then you touch upon spirituality in this novel. Yeah. Which is, it's beautiful. So I wanted to know can you explain what Ka, and that's spelled K A, Mm -hmm. and Ba, just for our listeners, B A means when it comes to the splitting of souls when a person Yeah decides. um the so not to get too complicated here but the ancient Egyptians believed that the souls was
0: divided into five parts and the two main ones were kind of the, the ka and the ba. So the the ka it was the ba sorry the ba was kind of like your personality, you know what made you you. Um your not really physical traits but your kind of your your personality and your, your what made you unique, what made you you? And and that's the ba, and then the ka was kind of like um, the part of um, your soul, I guess that um, was like your individual life force. So people's individual life force. So it's 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 a little bit confusing, but I tried to make it clear because this this novel is for kids, and they believe that the every night the ka and the ba would reunite um, in the tomb um, in the person's you know sarcophagus to. Rest and get ready for the next day. So the ba would kind of stay here on Earth and look after your family and your friends. The ka would go up to the land of reeds, which they was believed was their heaven, and then come back. They would reunite in a tomb um, in the physical body, the ak, which is the other part of the soul. which Which is why Egyptians preserved the body. So those the ka and the ba would have a home to come to every night um, to
1: reunite in their soul. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. Ah. So we have moments with regards to the political scene and definite tension and there's stress for our heroine, but you also have light moments. And even when this the situation is looking dire for poor Sesha, she finds, and as you write, a small bud of elation, you know, hope. And, um, kind of weaving into the medicine in this novel a particular line of dialogue I enjoyed and it's a chapter chapter opener okay a a lighter moment which I thought was funny (laughs) so Sesha is 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 doing her medical training and it's it's the one scribe he says Who here can tell me the proper treatment for involuntary loosening of the bowels? The scribe asks, voice commanding. That is a great dialogue. That is a great way to open a chapter. Just... What made you decide to include that?
0: Um, I don't know. I think middle graders like poop jokes. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> <adults> and, too.
0: <laughs> so I think that I always strive to balance the dark and the light. I think humor is a wonderful way to do that in novels and in life in general. Um, we need to be able to laugh at the absurdities of life because it would be a very grim place if we didn't. So I always try to kind of, you know, Have the humor in in my in my writing in my books, and I think it's it's also nice for the the reader to help relieve some of that tension as well.
1: It it I just I remember it was in a really good place too because like I say, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, she's about to go into her first day as a scribe with like all the temple scribes, and she's the only girl, so she's Uh, all stressed out. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, Um, and uh, still carrying on with medicine. I have to know about the pregnancy test, okay? Was it really a matter of peeing on seeds? How did you find this out?
0: Oh, research is amazing. I love research. I'm such a research nerd. Um, So I think they did this in a laboratory and they proved it was like had 70% accuracy, which was not bad for for the time. So yes, you, a woman would, would pee on seeds, these summer, these certain seeds, um, of like wheat or barley, or I think it was emmer seeds as well. And it, they, if she was pregnant, they would sprout and it was believed the, I mean, they didn't know that it was the estrogen at the time, but it was, it's believed that estrogen is what made these kind of the, the, the seeds sprout. Um, they, they probably started to grow due to the elevated levels of estrogen. So.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Sesha's brother, he is sick. And as I was reading, she mentions, because they don't know, she, he has an ailment. And there's a, a point where he is unconscious, and his limbs thrash. And I was curious, I thought, when I was reading this, I thought, does Kai have epilepsy?
0: Yeah, no, that's a really great thought. He, um, so his, it's a bit more complicated. I knew what he had, but I don't think the reader needed to to know to kind of because they wouldn't have known at the time exactly what he had, right? They would have just been they would have just seen the symptoms. So he actually, when he was younger, he, she does speak about him getting sick, uh, getting a high fever, um, which so Kai contracted meningitis when he was younger, which, you know, they don't have the name for then. Um, And then that caused hydrocephalus, which is water in the brain, which is what causes him to have seizures and that pressure in the kind of brain, which is why she needs to do the surgery to, she needs to, you know, to do the surgery to relieve that pressure. Um, So technically it was, I guess, hydrocephalus caused, via meningitis which is what I decided that was okay. that
1: that Kai had but okay. he does have a seizure for sure yeah and uh, as a result of that okay it, it was it like I say it was very fascinating um, I was amazed with the research as you said in the beginning you are writing a story that takes place in the second intermediate period I have this I had to write this down approximately <laughs> 1650 to 1550 BCE, or as noted in your author's note, 3,500 years ago. Okay, so thinking about a timeline, when does the second intermediate period take place if I'm thinking about Cleopatra and the construction of the Great Pyramids?
0: Yeah, that's really great question so um as i mentioned before it's a little the second intermediate period is a little blip in egypt's history and it was uh, occurred about a thousand years after 1000 years after the great pyramids were built and about 1600 years before cleopatra and her famous ask bite um so yeah so that gives you an idea of how long an illustrious egypt's history was and you know how Canada and you know the US were just babies compared to to how long and, and
1: illustrious that ancient Egypt was. Right. Okay. Okay, so where do you go to get this to research to find out this information? Oh,
0: everywhere. <laughs> I, I you know did a lot of research uh, online. I read a lot of academic journals online. Um, I went to the Royal Ontario Museum of Ontario and was able to access their archives and did research there. I talked to an Egyptologist. Um, I watched documentaries. Um, I you know I just did everything I could to kind of make sure it was well-rounded and as in-depth as possible. Um, and as I do mention, because we there are a lot of things that we we don't know for sure. So, you know, it gave me a certain amount of flexibility, although I did try to make everything as historically accurate as possible. Um, but yeah, and things are and things we find out are always changing. Like there could be a discovery tomorrow that could rewrite something that we believe to be true. So, yeah, I mean, research is always in flux, but I just I really made sure to kind of do the best that I could with what I had. Perfect. Perfect. And have you ever seen a papyrus? I'm well, not in real life. I'm the papyrus, the Edmundson medical papyrus I've seen it online. They actually have it online where you can go through it, which is an amazing thing. It's in the New York Academy of medicine. Um, But um, I was supposed to go to Egypt uh, in last April. Of course Um, that got canceled because of a certain pandemic that, that we're in the midst of. Um but uh yeah it's uh, and I've made like homemade papyrus with my with like for crafts with kids and stuff when I when I do like online workshops or virtual fun things with kids, but uh it's of course not the real thing, but
1: yeah. Yeah, uh it is it was fascinating. Um now the what I also noticed was when you were um writing Sesha's dialogue, so our listeners and our, our fellow authors know. This takes place 3,500 years ago. You're researching. Sesha is not going to talk like you or me or someone even 100 years ago. And so I noticed that Sesha's dialogue is, is proper. It's respectful. It's formal. And I wanted to know, how did you decide or what were the factors that made you decide how to write her dialogue?
0: This was a real tricky one. So her voice just kind of came to me and I didn't overthink it because if I thought too much about the language and the voice, it was going to drive me crazy because I'm also, I'm coming, We're, we're everything we know about each of us through, you know, a lot of it is through through about this time was uh, not only in research, but also through a, a kind of a post-colonial lens with like, you know, the, the first archaeologists and And, you know, that's changing, of course, which is wonderful. Um, And a lot of the stuff we know about the second intermediate was based on a Greek guy named Minito, who was writing about it, you know, also hundreds of years after the events happened. So, um, for example, like the language, if I, I, again, if I thought too much about it, I was going to go crazy because, you know, they didn't even call their land Egypt. That is a word given to them by the Greeks. Um, They called their land Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, which meant the Black Land, which referred to the fertile valley around the Nile, so and they didn't even call their pharaoh pharaoh; they called their pharaoh king. Uh, it wasn't until much later that pharaoh became a word associated with with Egypt. I chose to use the words that people were familiar with because I was just gonna it's for kids, and I don't want to like mess with their heads too much. I want to make it as easy as possible for them, but I do make a note of that in in I think the the author's note. Um, and, um, just again, her voice just kind of came to me and I just went with it. So it is, it is kind of proper and formal and a little bit old fashioned, but I,
1: I felt like that just kind of fit the vibe. Yeah, it, it, it definitely fit. Um, now you said the secret scroll, it's a real life document you can see in New York. Yeah, you can see it at the New York Academy of medicine
0: and, um, it's, like again one of the most important ancient artifacts that we have today not not in terms of only medical but like out of everything like it's a it's a, it's a really it's one that there it's a papyrus that um the scroll it's like the scroll that is the, the in the main title of the book the lost Scroll of position so this papyrus is actually based on an older papyrus called believed to have written by Imhotep who was Egypt's first kind of um vizier and astronomer and doctor and and he was basically a, a, a well-rounded fellow uh, a jack of all trades if you will um so he was quite he built the first step pyramid for king jose uh, so um he the this scroll that her, her sasha and her father who's transcribed is believed to have been based on imhotep's original scroll and this is a scroll that is in the New York Academy of Medicine. So basically, I'm suggesting that the author of this scroll that exists today was, it's like a fictionalized um, author of Sasha and her father were the, the authors of this scroll that exists today.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay. Sasha's so father had the scrolls. And you can see how the high priests would want the discovery of these scrolls. And, you know, the science and the medicine the scrolls represent and the possible disregarding of some spells and incantations. And for a young adult novel, you deal with adult themes. And I was curious, you said you started writing it in 2016. Yeah, I think that's when I started writing it. Yeah, so, I received a grant from okay. the Ontario Arts
0: Council. So thanks to them.
1: Okay. But, uh, yeah. I couldn't help it. But, uh, and I'm curious, you wrote the novel in 2016. Did you, no one, none of us fathomed we would be going through a pandemic when, you know, there would be individuals in power who would disregard the medicine, disregard the science, make false statements? Did, did you have a feeling of, did, you know when this is go, like when the, all this is going on, did you think, oh my God, this is my book?
0: <laughs> um, well, not really until you actually went mentioned it. I was like, geez, oh, I was pretty prophetic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I've been so busy working on the second and third ones that I never really thought about it. But now that you mentioned it, like it is actually quite there's quite the parallel between the book and what's kind of been happening today. Um, and, you know, just wanting to, to push aside the science and, and kind of ignore it or, or whatever, just to suit your own, own purposes, I guess. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's,
1: thank you for pointing that out to me. It makes me sound really smart. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's life imitating art, like the art first, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so Alicia, May I, if you would like, this is your author's note. Would you like to read like the Oh, you go
0: ahead. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) I was just struck by this. Um, So in, at the very end, and Alicia's author's note, she writes, now, hopefully my dog won't interrupt me. He has done this very key (laughs) moments. Okay. You can sense the emotion in your voice. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you write, I would love for this series to inspire you and other young readers to get excited about history and to explore it for yourself, unearthing your own thrilling adventures and stories along the way. But while you do, be mindful of your own lens that you look at the world through and remember that other people have their own lenses too. We are all brothers and sisters who share a home called earth and we must do what we can for it and for one another. I read that and I just thought oh god yes.
0: Oh thank you.
1: And I want I want young adults read this. <laughs> you know you're sure, <laughs> right? Don't do what the mistakes we've done. Yeah. Well, Alicia I have to say, I'm so thank God for authors, for artists, for musicians, for creatives, for scribes, for um, enlightening us and ha- have us look at the world, as you say, through different lenses. Is there anything you would like to add? And where can people find you? Where can they find
0: Oh, you? yeah, you can find me online. My website is just my name, Alicia70 Um, I'm on social media under Alicia 70 on and- you know the usual Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I, I anything to add? Um, no, I just hope people read the book, and I know if they do, they'll fall in love with it, and hopefully they share that with their friends and family. Uh, being a writer is so hard today. There's just so much information out there, and getting kind of, I guess, discovered, if you will, is that's you know, writing the book is like only half the battle. It's all about finding finding your readers so i hope that this book finds its readers and anyone who loves you know adventure and mystery and ancient egypt or
1: or civilizations will hopefully love the book well i loved it i loved it i want to really thank you for coming on my podcast and uh i hope you come back again for, oh, I'd love to. For the <laughs> Anytime. Des- All right. The Desert Prince. Now, when is when is That's is, that's not out yet, is it? Yeah, it is. Uh, it came what? out in
0: the fall, actually. Yeah, The Desert Prince. It kind of came out very quietly just because there was a lot of shakeup in the publishing industry with COVID. So it got it. it came out in September. So it is available. I'm working on the edits for the third book, The Oracle of Verus, And that should be out next January, the third one. So...
1: Okay, we're, I'll get you on here. <laughs> awesome. We'll get you on here, yeah. Listeners, please, if you could support our artists, our writers, our creatives, um, it's really easy. The, my you website. You can get
0: the book on the Kindle, on Amazon, order it through your bookstore,
1: your local bookstore, whatever. Perfect. And uh, listeners, um, just jcvartstudio.net. I will have the show notes for this episode. I will have all of Alicia's links. Okay, thank you so much
0: for having me, Joanna. I really appreciate it. Have a lovely evening.